This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're continuing our sermon series through 1 Corinthians. Now we're on 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is the, the longest section in the Bible on the Lord's Supper, and so it's a, it's a longer reading. I uh, hope I can keep your attention through this. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you all proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us this morning as a community, as a church, as a family of believers. I pray that through this message, through your word, you would unify us. You'd bring us closer to you and closer to one another. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Christianity is a personal faith, but it's not a private faith. Christianity is a personal faith in this way. I can't have faith for you, and you can't have faith for me. I can't believe in Jesus on behalf of my children, 
And my children can't believe in Jesus on behalf of me. Jesus says the way to his presence is a narrow door. It's narrow for many reasons, but one of the reasons it's so narrow is because only, you, only one person can go in at a time. It's a personal faith. But that doesn't mean it's private. Uh, we live in, a, in an individualistic culture, a, a, a selfish individualistic culture, and that, that individualism can bleed over into the Christian church as well because we all have a sinful nature that, that has those same tendencies. But when we were called to be a Christian, when we were baptized, we were brought into a community. We were brought into a family we were brought into what it's called the body of Christ, and each one of us is a member of it. The problem is, is, is very often we can treat the Christian faith, maybe we're tempted to do this, treat the Christian faith like a drive-through, like our own personal drive-through. You know, that's like you're, you're driving down the street and you get that hunger pain and you're driving past Chick-fil-A or Wendy's or Taco Bell or McDonald's or whatever it is, whatever your guilty pleasure is, right? And so you pull into the drive-thru and you get your own private meal delivered right to your car window and then you can, you can eat that meal all by yourself and that hunger pain goes away. And that's maybe what we're tempted to do when it comes to our Christian faith. We have this, this private feeling of guilt or shame and so we pull into the church or we turn on uh, the, the live stream and we get that that private forgiveness just for us. And that's well and good. That is a good thing. But there's so much more to the Christian faith than just a drive-through kind of Christianity, just a private Christian faith. It's about the greater community. We're continuing our sermon series, Foolproof, and we're walking through Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and we're looking at all the ways that, that Christianity might seem foolish, doing foolish things, believing in the foolishness of the cross. And today we're going to look at a meal that seems foolish. Some bread and some wine. And in this simple, seemingly foolish meal, God is going to do something pretty amazing. So that today we want to answer this really important question. How can we create a true Christian community in an individualistic society? You know, I think we're a very friendly church, but how can we also become a church of friends? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to that reading from Corinthians. And, and by now, if you've been following through this sermon series, we've learned quite a bit about Corinth. And in many ways, Corinth is very similar to the culture that we live in right now. The, the culture surrounding Corinth was an individualistic culture. They had a saying I can do whatever I want. Anything is permissible for me. In other words, I, I'll do what I want. Whatever feels good, I'll do it. And we live in a very individualistic culture. They lived in a pre-Christian culture, which means that, that Christianity hadn't permeated the culture. They weren't thinking with, through a Christian worldview. And we live in a post-Christian culture. That means our culture doesn't look through the, the lens with a Christian worldview. And in Corinth, many of them were new to the Christian faith. They were learning how to practice the Christian faith. And many of us were all kind of learning what it looks like to actually practice the Christian faith. And so that leads to lots of reasons to teach 
and to keep instructing and keep learning. And that's what Paul's going to do in this lesson. He's, he's really concerned about something. So he says in verse 17 of chapter 11, he says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Corinth was a new mission, and so they didn't have a, a big building like we have. They didn't have a big synagogue to meet in. So they would meet in homes. And he says, when you would meet in your home, when you guys meet for worship in this, in this little gathering, it's actually causing more harm than good. It's actually better if you wouldn't show up to church. Because when you guys gather in this home, it's actually causing more harm than good. Well, what's the problem? Verse 20. So then when you come together... It's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. So every time they would gather in this home, they would gather and have the Lord's Supper. But Paul says, surprisingly, you think you're having the Lord's Supper, but you're actually not celebrating the Lord's Supper. You see, another way to say the Lord's Supper is communion And when you celebrate Holy Communion, communion means to be at one with. We're supposed to be at one with one another as we're at one with God. He says, you're not doing that because when you gather together, you're having, you're going ahead with your own private suppers. Uh, So what does that mean? Well, it seems like when they would gather for the Lord's Supper in this home, they would gather almost like a house gathering, like a, like a family gathering, a party, a potluck kind of meal. Everyone would bring their own bread and wine. And it seems like some people would, would bring that bread and wine and before waiting for everyone else to show up, they would gobble up their own bread and wine. So much so that some people, well, let's hear what happens. He says, as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Can you believe it? They're gathering for worship and some of them are getting hammered at church. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. So not only were they going ahead with their own private suppers, treating the Christian faith as their own personal drive through just getting their own needs met, filling up their own tummy, but it says they were humiliating those who had nothing. I mean, we don't know exactly what maybe what this means is, you know, some people are bringing their fancy artisan bread and their fancy wine and they're looking down on those who have nothing. They were not treating this meal as something that they would come together as a community, but they only cared about themselves. They only looked at it from an individualistic perspective, only trying to meet their own personal needs, disregarding anybody else. Now, could something similar be happening at Victory? I don't think anyone is getting drunk on a thimble full of wine at the Lord's Supper. And we don't bring our own bread and wine uh, for this meal. But we do live in an individualistic society. And I'm afraid that that does bleed over into our own hearts because we have a sinful nature that resonates with individualism and selfishness. And are we ever tempted to treat the Christian faith as just that thing that I personally need? I come into church because I have this need for, I have this guilt and this shame, and so I, I'm going to get something out of it. And it's about how I feel when I leave here, and if I'm going to get my needs met, my forgiveness, uh, my feeling of feeling better about myself, it's just a personal, private thing when it comes to Christian faith. I know that can happen to me. 
the Christian faith is so much more than just my own private forgiveness, my own private experience, my own personal experience. It's, it's so much more than a drive-through kind of faith. So the Apostle Paul goes on to explain how Holy Communion actually does something pretty incredible. He's going to speak and teach the words of Holy Communion. He says, For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. Uh, Paul wasn't in the room when Jesus established the Lord's Supper, but he received it uh, from probably Peter or, or John. He says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And so what Paul is saying is the, the night our Lord Jesus was betrayed, the night before he died, they were celebrating the Passover. For over 1,400 years, they had been celebrating the Passover meal, this memorial meal where they would have unleavened bread because they left out of Egypt out of haste, and they would have, in haste, they had wine and they had a lamb. And every year they would celebrate this meal as a memorial meal, how God rescued them out of Egyptian slavery. See, the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years, and then God rescued them out. And so every year they would commemorate that with this Passover meal, how God rescued them from slavery. And now Jesus is taking this same meal, and he says, I'm the Lamb of God. And I'm going to rescue you. I'm rescuing you uh, not just from slavery, but from sin and from death. And so Jesus gives us a new meal for all Christians to celebrate. His, his body being broken, his blood being poured out in remembrance of him. This new covenant of forgiveness. And then Paul says something special happens when we celebrate it. He says, verse 26, For whenever you eat this bread... And drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So usually in the worship service, for much of the worship service, you're very passive. You listen to a sermon, hopefully not too long of a sermon, right? You listen to a sermon. But Paul is saying here that when we stand up and come down the aisle and receive the Lord's Supper, you all, it's plural here, you all proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You're all preaching a message when you participate in the Lord's Supper. You all are proclaiming, saying, this is what our faith is about. Our faith is not about the pastor or the, or the church or about us. Our faith is about Jesus who broke his body. His blood was poured out. It's about the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and everything that we receive from Jesus. And every time you take the Lord's Supper, you guys become preachers. We're all preaching a message that Jesus is what we all care about. It's all about Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And we're looking forward to that day. And that's why this meal is so precious. And that's why Paul was so concerned. That's why some crazy things were happening when they participated. So Paul goes on to teach. He says, so then... Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 
everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So the Corinthians were certainly eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, right? And they were looking down on people who had nothing. They were going ahead with their own private suppers, not caring about the community. And so Paul says, you need to discern the body. And I believe in context, he's actually talking about the body of believers. You need to discern the body of Christ, the body of believers, the people around you when you take this meal. And so he tells them, now you need to examine yourself. Take an inventory. Look at ways that you've been selfish and self-centered and only thought about yourself and haven't thought about the greater community when you take the Lord's Supper, that you are part of something much bigger than yourself. And Paul says, because they were not doing that, they were eating and drinking judgment on themselves. Now, um, I think the, the King James Version, I don't know how many of you grew up reading the Bible in the King James Version, but it actually said eating and drinking damnation on themselves. I don't think that's a good translation. And from what I understand, that's the only translation that, that says that. Um, because Paul goes on to say a couple different things. Here's what was happening. He says, verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. The Christian way of saying people were getting weak and sick and they're actually dying at the Lord's Supper. I mean, things were getting out of hand. Not only were they getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, but some of them were getting weak and sick and God was bringing discipline on them. They were actually dying at the Lord's Supper. And so Paul goes on, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So God was disciplining them. He was getting their attention. There was some pretty severe discipline so that they wouldn't be condemned, so that they wouldn't be damned. He wanted to get their attention, to wake them up out of their selfishness, out of their individualism, out of their self-centeredness so that they could see the greater community of believers that they've been called into, that they would get off themselves. He's trying to get their attention. Does he have yours? He's got mine. I don't know. I, I can treat the Christian faith as just my own private spiritual walk. Where, where I, I just, only thing I do is maybe read the Bible all by myself or listen to a podcast all by myself or pray all by myself and treat the Christian faith as just this private thing. And as good as that is, there's so much more to the Christian faith than my own private walk with God. Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor. If it's only about my private, personal relationship with God, I'm missing out on 50% of what the faith is all about, loving God and loving my neighbor. Do you feel convicted too? Well, if you do, What's the remedy? The remedy is actually 
Holy Communion itself. I'm so thankful that the day that I'm preaching on this message, we're actually going to participate in the Lord's Supper today, Holy Communion. The answer to any kind of feeling of inadequacy or guilt or shame is the meal itself. That, that the Bible says that when we take this meal, we're receiving a new covenant or a contract. A, 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 in, in the Old Testament, when you were about to make a contract with somebody, you would eat a meal with them. Except when it comes to this covenant, this contract, it's a one-way covenant. It comes from something written in Jeremiah 31, the new covenant where it says that, that God will remember your sins no more. He will forgive all of your wickedness. And so we walk up to the Lord's Supper today as a community of sinners and we walk away forgiven, accepted children of God under the new covenant because of Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. And that creates something really special. When we walk in here knowing that we're all equal in our sin, we're all equal in salvation, that creates something very special. In fact, I think this is the main point of what Paul wants us to know, that holy communion creates community. In fact, we could say it this way, holy communion creates a holy community. You know, we might have differences in almost everything else here as a congregation of people, we might have different opinions on the pandemic or on politics. We might have different opinions on, on sports or on so many different things. We might have different things that we enjoy, different backgrounds. We have different jobs. We have different hobbies. We might all have the same football team. I don't know. But we probably have differences on almost everything. But when we take the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, we're all one. We're all in this together. We are all one community. We're a family. We're a community. We're all the body of Christ because holy communion creates holy community. We all come up here as sinners. We will all walk away as forgiven children of God. And because that's true, Paul's got some super spiritual advice. You ready for Paul's super spiritual advice on what he thinks that how we should apply this meal Here's the super spiritual advice. Ready? Verse 33. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who's hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. Here's the super spiritual advice. Have a snack before you come to, the, to church so you're not so hungry you gobble up your food and drink all the wine and get drunk at church have a snack before you come and then wait for people and take this all together. Take this meal together. Be one. Be one community together. So how do we apply that to us? Well, I think this helps us answer our opening question and with some super spiritual advice. Ready? How can we create true Christian community in an individualistic society? Here it is. Super spiritual advice. Eat together. Eat together. And that begins, that begins with the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. That we would receive this meal together. And, and yes, receive it for what it is. It's personal forgiveness, but it's so much more than that. Recognize that you're receiving it as a community. We're taking communion as a community. That we all walk up here sinners and we all hear the words declared to us. We're all forgiven ch children of God. We're doing this together. You are not alone. So eat together. It starts with Holy Communion, but it doesn't stop there. We have an advantage here at Victory. 
every Sunday, we have this incredible breakfast, the Victory Cafe, where we can eat together at the Victory Cafe as well. And something interesting has happened at Victory, and I know talking to other pastor friends of mine, it's happened in other congregations as well, that before the pandemic, we were just this, uh, very, a growing church. One of our biggest problems were, you know, how do we find enough parking? And then the pandemic hit, and many people went away. It was such a big disruption in their life. They went away, and we haven't seen them come back. They haven't joined us online. We lost tons of people. But then also during the pandemic, because everybody was driven online, many people found victory for the very first time. And so victory, like many other churches, is basically a brand new church. It's a whole different group of people. And that means there's a whole different group of people who are eating at the Victory Cafe. And what I've noticed is many people are eating alone. Now, I'm not asking any introvert to suddenly become an extrovert. That's not what I'm saying. But... If you're eating alone and you see someone eating alone, why not just eat with them? You don't have to gauge in tons of small talk, but recognize that that person you're eating with, you have this in common. You're you're forgiven children of God. You have a community of believers. You're, You're brothers and sisters in Christ. That you're not alone and neither are they. But it doesn't stop there. I know many of you are, many, of, many people are, are worshiping with us all over the world, all over the country, all over the place. I would love to hear how you can create community. Gathering in, in homes or starting hybrid churches or, or doing whatever you can to gather together to be a community of believers. I'd love to see it go the next level here at Victory as well. I think one of the areas that, that I've been weakest in leadership is in our life group ministry. We have men's mentoring and women's mentoring, some life groups going on. But man, we can do so much more in gathering in groups. And I hope, I pray that some of you are inspired to maybe take that step to open up your home or start a group here that could meet at Victory so that we could create more and more community. That we would not just be a friendly church, but we'd be a church of friends. Now, why is this so vital? Why is this so important? Why does God care about this so much? Why, why was he care, cared about this so much uh, in Corinth? Well, because we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I've heard theologians say that it's an eternal community of love, that the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Spirit, the Spirit loves the Father. It's an eternal community of love. And what Christianity is, is God's invitation into that community. And that we are to reflect that community here on earth. And so, in a lonely, individualistic society where we might be tempted to live all by ourselves and live just this personal, private faith life, God is calling us to something bigger, something greater, to community. And what is the super spiritual thing that we can do to create that kind of community? Let's eat together. Let's love one another because love comes from God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here as a community, as a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the body of Christ. I pray, Lord God, that that through holy communion today, we would become a holy community 
And that holy community would spill out into other areas of our lives. We can only do this through the work of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.